I would speak to you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Well, I think as most of you know, these last few weeks have been particularly tough for me. And this morning, I am very glad to be back home and back here with all of you in this church. All of us already know that a funeral for a beloved member of a family is never easy. To have to say goodbye to someone who has loved you unconditionally for your entire life and who has supported, inspired, and prayed for you is always heartbreaking, even if that death was totally expected because of age, sickness, and decline. Knowing death is coming never really makes it any easier when it arrives, and that is certainly the experience I have had for these past two weeks. But I think every one of us also knows that there is almost always something else that can happen during funerals in the midst of all of the sorrow, something important that can help us get through it with a whole lot of smiles, laughter, and the support that we desperately need. That something, of course, is our family and our friends. There are the cousins we only see occasionally and those family friends who we only vaguely remember, all of whom seem to recognize us the instant they see us and start to tell us the stories that we ourselves have all but forgotten. And there are the aunts and uncles and members of your extended family that can suddenly remind you of just where it was that you came from and what place your family has tried very hard to make for itself in the community and in the world. Sure, that isn't always the best of information, nor is it always the proudest of moments, but it always seems to find a way to at least redirect us from the sadness of loss to something that always seems a little bit deeper and a little more overarching in our lives. That's certainly the way I found myself feeling in the midst of it all, spending all that time this past couple of weeks at my father's house, surrounded by family and friends coming in and out in preparation for a funeral. And at the center of it all was the matriarch of our family who died just two weeks ago on this day. In every conversation and discussion I had with all of those cousins and family members and friends, every laugh we share, every tear that we had, we all seem to have the very same memory of a strong woman who went out of her way to ensure that whether or not anybody else was around us, we all had the love we needed and we all developed that connecting link to something far more important, faith and hope in Jesus Christ. So when it finally came time for the funeral a little over a week ago, I was not at the least bit surprised when I met my grandmother's most recent Pentecostal pastor. And he told me that she had made him promise to preach one particular thing when this day finally arrived. In fact, it was the very same message my grandfather had asked that same minister to preach three and a half years earlier at his own funeral. Both of my grandparents wanted their funerals to not at all be what we tend to call a celebration of life here in the Episcopal Church today. 
I think they knew that all the family and friends gathered together at the visitation the night before the funeral would take care of all of that. What they both wanted was the unique opportunity with every family member they loved, supported, and prayed for gathered together in the same place at the same time to have the chance to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and the opportunity to accept Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. Their opportunity, as that particular church denomination likes to say, to be saved. And with my grandmother, she would have never wanted the preacher to waste his time talking about her anyway. No, she loved her family so much and she only wanted them to get to hear that gospel so that all of us could believe it and have the chance to one day be standing with her in heaven. And because she knew not everyone in her family had made that step forward, she made that preacher promise to give the most powerful and profound altar call he could give to her family in the Faith Tabernacle Pentecostal Church of Barberville, Kentucky. You see, she wasn't perfect by any means, but she found not long ago who it was she needed to turn to to find forgiveness. And because she knew that life-changing love that came into her life in God through Jesus and what it promised to her, she wanted desperately to share it with everyone that she came in contact with. As I wrote in her obituary, if you ever stopped by to visit her in these latter years of her life, she'd always find a way within the first few minutes to get to talking about Jesus. And before that, if someone came into her tiny little shop to check out the stuff that she liked to call antiques and which most of us thought was several levels below that antique ranking, if she could at least engage you in conversation, she'd eventually find a way to ask you about whether or not you knew Jesus. Now, I'm sure for some folks that wasn't really understood and probably wasn't even appreciated. But for my grandmother, it was all quite simple. Jesus had saved her life. Jesus had saved her husband's life. And Jesus had saved her marriage and her family more times than she could remember. And for her, it was if you could ever find that one thing that saved you. And that one thing was something that you came to believe could save others. How could you not want to share it with others? Especially if that thing was completely free for the taking. She loved that wonderful verse from the book of the Revelation in the New Testament, chapter 3, verse 20, when the great John the Revelator hears Jesus say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. For her, it was all that simple. Jesus is at the door of everyone's heart knocking. And if we can just find a way to trust him, if we can just stop being afraid and invite him to come in, our lives can be forever changed, just as hers had been forever changed all those many, many years before. And she just had to find a way to share that blessing with everyone. So during her funeral, Brother Bill Ingle stood up and he preached one of those old school fiery mountain sermons which only holiness and Pentecostal preachers in the South can really preach. There was barely room for him to breathe 
as he started with the book of Job and the Old Testament and he moved all the way through the Bible, sometimes flat out shouting, sometimes waving his hands, moving the whole time all around the front of that church. I thought it was incredible. And for the majority of that 53 minutes, yes, 53 minutes, he never stopped asking people in that church who might have begun to feel the knocking of Jesus on their heart to stop right there and invite Jesus in in that moment, to accept Jesus as their King, as their Lord, as their Savior, as their hope, as that one guaranteed ticket that we have to life eternal, both now in our earthly realm and on the other side of death as we join in the anticipation of Christ's glorious return and resurrection. And as he was preaching, I suddenly took a second and looked around and remembered who it was that he was preaching entirely to. For with COVID running rampant in eastern Kentucky, just as it's been all around the country over these last few months, aside from a very few members of the church, that preacher and a couple of old friends, the only people in that church that morning was my family. Me and Audrey, my daughters, my dad, my uncle, my cousins and their spouses, and all the great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren of my grandmother. And it dawned on me right then and there, this is exactly what she wanted the whole time. She wanted all of us to have the chance on that day to find that movement of Jesus into their heart and be able to someday join her in that mansion that Jesus says in the Gospel of Mark, he's gone to prepare a place for, for all of his followers. As she said to me in the hospital on that night less than a week before the funeral, when we said our final farewells, if I don't see you again, I'll look forward to seeing you in heaven. And that good news preached at her funeral was her way of saying that one more time, even beyond death, to all of us gathered there. Now, you're probably thinking that I'm telling you all of this today because it's still on my mind, and that's certainly true. But I'm also telling you that because if you listen to that second reading of the Scripture this morning, you might have noticed that that's exactly what we just heard again out of the Bible. That essential, important message of our Christian faith, that message of sharing the blessing of God is what St. Paul is addressing this morning in his first letter to that church at Corinth. For Paul, that first great apostle and theologian to all of us who follow Jesus from outside the Jewish faith, he was writing his letters and preaching his sermons to every person he met for the same reason, to share the gospel, to give them all that good news that Jesus Christ was more than just a prophet, that he was the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and that Jesus Christ alone was the one who had defeated death. That everything that the world could throw at us, violence, injustice, anger, shame, imprisonment, every bit of it was thrown first onto Jesus as he laid on that cross. And all that sin leads to death was taken on by Jesus for all of us first and overturned once and for all. 
That Jesus died for us on the cross and then broke death's chains and walked out of that grave. And no matter what we are carrying today, no matter what seems to be pulling us down and harming us and threatening us and overwhelming us and overpowering us, if we can just find our way to give it over to Jesus, that he will take it upon himself, he will remove it from our shoulders, and he will give us a sense of freedom. That's the good news. That's the gospel, and it's life-changing. So St. Paul writes this morning, If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. Paul says that because the good news is absolutely the greatest charge ever given to Paul. He was the one who on the road to Damascus was struck down, was made blind, and somehow through Jesus, his eyesight came back and his life was changed. And so Paul writes this as the charge he's given to give it to all of us for free and to offer all of us that same experience of reconciliation and redemption. And St. Paul goes on to say that because that news is so important, so incredible, so freeing and so empowering, he will become whatever he needs to become to share that message. If he meets a slave, Paul will become a slave. If he meets someone under the law, he will become someone under the law. If he meets a criminal, he'll become a criminal. If he meets someone weak and struggling, he'll become someone weak and struggling. And Paul concludes by saying, I have become all things to all people that I might by all means save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel so that I may share its blessings. That message is the same message I believe my grandmother tried to take on and that she passed on to me a long time ago. And that's the message she wanted passed on to all of her children even after she was physically dead. So that as St. Paul says, that good news might save some of us. Of course, she didn't want it to just save some of us. She wanted it to save all of us because she knew how incredible and amazing that good news was. And she knew just what it offered to all of us when one day we ourselves must face death. And brothers and sisters, that's Paul's message and that's the message that came from every saint that ever followed Paul. And God willing, that will always be the message that if I have the power, I'll give to you. Not just because my grandmother or my grandparents taught it to me when I was a boy, but because Jesus died so that all of us would have a chance to receive it, be transformed by it, and find our own way to walk out on the streets and pass it along. Not just to save ourselves, but to save others and to save this world. I don't know about you, but this last year has told me that this world needs light. It needs saving. It needs unity. It needs something to bring it peace. I stand here today only because I believe that Jesus is the answer to that peace. And if we but share the message of how Jesus has saved us, we might be able to save this world. Amen. Amen.